right. I know, I know. It's, it's true. All right, that's enough being friendly. <laughs> Great. Uh, again, good to be with you. Hey, I have a question for you this morning. The question is this, is what is a character trait that you love to see in other people? A character trait that when you see it, that you say, oh, these are, that, that one is attractive to me. And again, not a physical trait that's attractive to you, but a character trait. Think of the, your favorite people you know, and what is it that they possess that attracts you? And as you think of that, think of your own life. Do you have that same trait? You know, there's been a lot of research done on character traits and the different things that are attractive to people, and, and a lot of them are kind of done in the context of leadership or inspirational leaders or the type of people that, will, uh, that others want to be around or follow. And it's interesting that no matter who did the research and what they, look, what they were looking at, it almost always comes down to a few things, right, in the, that are in the center of all of them that is the most attractive. And that is, it, all of those traits come down to someone who, is true, who lives with purpose and is true to who he says he or she is. That someone who is, has this integrity of lifestyle and is consistent in how they live. That's one of the number one things that actually comes up. There's a lot of different traits, but that shows up in all of them. So someone who has that integrity and consistency and you know what they believe and their life matches what they believe. This, uh, today we're actually going to wrap up our summer series uh, called The Good Life. No, summer's not over, don't worry. When I say that, some of you kind of panic, although school is starting in two weeks for some. But uh, we're going to wrap up this series and start a new one next week, a mini-series. But at the end of this, we've been studying this summer this idea called the good life. And uh, this is based on uh, what we call the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. gives these nine character traits that are evidence of God's work in our lives. Now, we've called it the good life because we believe that Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have life abundantly, that the life that Jesus brings is the good life. Now, it's not, uh, we say it every week, it's not the easy life, it's not the pain-free life, it's not the life where you get everything you want. That's not what Jesus promised, but he promised that the life that he gives to you, the life that he'll live through you, is actually the best way to live. He wants to, because that's what you are made for. This life connected to God. So we're wrapping up this series today, and we're going to look at one of the character traits uh, that we haven't hit yet. That's kind of, it, sometimes it feels like it doesn't fit so much, or it, it's hard to know how it fits. See, the first three in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it's love, joy, and peace. So those that were listed are kind of things that are in response to God in your lives, that we understand that we are loved, and it then frees us to love, that we get peace because when we have peace with God, we can experience the peace of God. A joy, a deep-rooted joy through every circumstance comes because of your connection with God. Uh, the next few traits listed are kind of outward. It's, it's that our patience and kindness and gentleness. These are often that are directed towards other people and that we experience those quite often when we know when we experience it. And then there's one that's almost just for you. It's self-control. You can't have self-control for someone else. Uh, sorry, it doesn't work. Uh, so, well, I guess it doesn't. By definition, it doesn't. But uh, So self-control is the one inward one. And then there's two that are related to what we're talking about today. It says goodness and faithfulness. 
Now, goodness here is related more to the word integrity, but then there's this word faithfulness. How is that an evidence of the Spirit's work in our life? And that's the one we're actually going to double-click on today and try to understand what does that really mean to have this evidence of God's work in our life that faithfulness is produced. So look with me at a couple things. First, let's start here and answer the question, what is faith? Because the word that's used here is actually the Greek word, a noun for faith. It actually is not uh, the word for faithfulness necessarily. It's faith is what is produced. Now, according to the dictionary, we see that what is faith? It's a complete trust and confidence in someone or something. So it's according to the dictionary. If we want to know what do we mean when we say faith, it's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And we use this all the time. It's obviously it's our faith in God, but we use it with others. I have faith in you. I have complete trust and confidence in you. I often talk about, I'm, I do a lot of coaching and coach baseball. And how many times as a coach do I actually use this when I talk to someone? Like, I have faith in you here. I remember uh, last year we were playing in this game, and uh, we were off to a good start. Uh, we were losing 11-0 to after an inning or two. And uh, so I'm looking at my pitchers, and I just need anyone to go out there and pitch. And there's one kid who I was working with a little bit, and I said, you're ready. And I said, hey, do you want to pitch today? And he looked at me like, uh, I guess. And I said, hey, it's 11-0. It's not going to be worse. Don't worry about it. So he went out there, and, and first time ever pitching against the, the number one team who happens to be um, my rival coach. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we started going, and he pitched the first inning. We got through nothing. Three innings. They couldn't score off him. Meanwhile, we started scoring. So we go into the last inning. It's now tied 11-11. And this kid, we, he, he looked at me, and it was the start of the top of the last inning, and he looked at me and says, Coach, I don't want to go back out there. Because <laughs> it was at the top of their lineup, their best hitters. He's like, I don't think I can do this. And I've known for my very um, direct motivational speeches with my players, and I just looked at him and I said, what's the big deal? It's a tie game, last inning, playing the first place team, and their best hitters are up. What are you worried about? Go out there and get it. And I said, I have faith in you. I have confidence in you. Go do it. And it actually worked this time. <laughs> he got him out one, two, three. We got up in the bottom of the last inning and won the game on a walk-off hit. And it didn't even matter what place that put us in. I beat my rival coach. That's what mattered. It's not about the kids. It's about me. And uh, so... That was very satisfying. And that was one of those, I have, conf- I have faith in you. Now, if that worked every time I coached, that would be fantastic. But it usually doesn't. Uh, th- at the golf thing this weekend, thank you, Curtis, for putting that together. Um, he puts us on teams. And my team is called Team Fun. And uh, so it's not Team Win. But we go out there. And I don't know how many times we, you know, someone has to, we rely on them. You have to hit this drive because we have to use one of your hits. And it's like, we have faith in you. We have confidence in you. That was not true, but, but we had to say it to each other. So we use it all the time. But that is complete trust and confidence in someone or something. Now let's think of faith when we talk about with God. We're saved by faith. So what does that mean? Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I have it on the screen for you. Paul writes this, and he says, Having been justified by faith, by your complete confidence and trust in God and his works, That is what saves you. So there's complete confidence and trust in God. We are justified, meaning that our sins are are taken care of by God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction 
By what? Faith. By our complete trust and confidence in the character of God. And by this, we've been introduced into the grace in which we now stand. And we celebrate in the hope and the glory of God. So again, by our confidence and our trust in God. Now, some of you would say, I don't have complete trust and confidence. My faith is weak. We'll talk about that in a minute. But remember, our faith, it's the size of the person in whom we put our faith, not the size of your faith. So if you say, I've had a lot of sin. I need more faith than those who don't sin that much. It doesn't work that way. Our God is big enough for all of it. So us, it's when we put our confidence and trust in God, that is enough. Paul writes this again in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. He says, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, meaning as long as we're alive here on this earth, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight, by confidence in God and his ways and his promises. That's what we live by, not by what we see. Some would say, actually, that faith is the opposite of sight, that what you can see, you don't necessarily always have to put your faith in. But here we have confidence and trust in God. We live by faith, believing who he is and what he said he will do and has done. So that's how we use the word faith. So it's interesting that even in this uh, fruit of the Spirit, that what it says the Spirit produces in us this faith, this confidence in God and his character. Now, that word in my guess is in your Bible translation for the fruit of the Spirit, is translated faithfulness, not faith. In fact, the original King James Version, it said faith. But now the updated one is faithfulness. Most of them in context say, well, it makes more sense. What he's talking about in us is faithfulness. So if we're talking something even more than just faith, what is it? What is faithfulness? How do we understand that? And again, let's look at the dictionary definition of faithfulness is this. Being true to your word and your commitments being true to your word and your commitments. So if we take that and combine it with what we know about faith, here's a definition I think we need to use for today. Next one is this. Living in uh, accordance with what you believe is true about God. So faithfulness that he's got, the Spirit's producing in us is the ability to live in accordance with what you believe is true about God. So for example, do we believe that God is, is good and that he loves you and he saves you. If that's true, we walk through our life with this belief and living in accordance with, oh, I'm, I'm not a worthless person. I'm actually a child of God. I'm loved by him. Therefore, I don't have this intrinsic value except for that the creator of the universe loves me and gives his life to me. That matters. That should change how we live. There's this, there's this confidence. There's this freedom. There's this joy to know that that's who I am. I'm a child of God and I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. That's good news. Are you with me on that? And if we live as if we believe that God loves us and forgives us, then we don't have to beat ourselves every time we fail and say, God, somehow I have to make my way back to you. No, we can stand in confidence of the grace of God and with gratefulness and in awe to say, Lord, you are so good. And it increases even, it starts to produce even more faith. So we live in accordance with what we believe. What else do we believe? If we believe that God cares for all people, that should affect how we treat all people. Would you agree? If we believe that God even cares, those who are, cares for those who are against him, it seems true in scripture. How then should we treat those who are against God or not living according to his ways? 
We know that Jesus hung out. He, he was told to hang out with prostitutes and, drunkens and drunk, drunkards and sinners. That was who the Lord Jesus hung out with. The lowest of the low, those who are rejected. That's at the heart of God is to save sinners. So if we walk through our lives, believing that, we want to leave, live in accordance with what we believe is true. That changes how we treat people. You with me on that? So we live our lives with these soft hearts and open hands. That doesn't mean that we have no, uh, no truth that we stand on. It doesn't mean that we approve every behavior in the world. We certainly do not. We don't think that everything that happens is godly and it's good and it's for the flourishing of mankind. We don't. The things we see. But we can love people because our God does. Just this week, I um, actually, again, on the way to the golf thing, I stopped at a gas station early in the morning and, and picked up some snacks for the day and uh, the person working in there, I found out, works the graveyard shift, but um, it's, it's someone who was wearing the, the uniform, but also had a lot of extra buttons and propaganda, we'll put it that way, <laughs> so I know very clearly uh, the worldview of, the, of her, and uh, it, it was apparent that uh, she was uh, going through a transition, and there's some gender identity things there, so anyway, so we, we talked and kind of made some jokes, and said, oh, these snacks are for me, I'm going golfing, and, and uh, and she said, oh, okay, well, I hope you win. I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen, but thank you. It was very nice of you, and just a small conversation, and went on my way. The next day, I went back to the same place, the same time, walked in there and said, what are the odds? And I went in there, and the same person was working. Saw me, and she probably had this moment like, wait, are you again? What are you doing here? I went in, and I bought the same snacks because they worked so well, day one. <laughs> and went up there. And then the conversation went a little deeper and, 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 you know, talked a little bit more. And in a course of, like, two minutes, she opens up, like, oh, yeah, you know, I won't be working for a while. I have to have this medical procedure. And, and, and I had this, you know, this moment where all of a sudden, I just think, through the grace of God, here's a real conversation. And it has nothing to do with someone's lifestyle or anything. It's, this person is loved by God. Now, so... In some ways, I lived accordance with what I believe is true. I, I succeeded in some ways. Brought love, the love of Christ to somebody. But in some ways, I missed an opportunity too. Because all I did is I said, oh, you know, you know talked a little bit, and then I just left. Like, well, have a great day. And it would have been so easy to have a moment. It's like, you know what? Thanks for sharing that. I'm going to pray for you and that surgery. I'm going to pray that you will heal and that uh, you're, you're going to, you know, have a healthy life. And I walked away, and I didn't. Now, did God not use that moment? I, he can absolutely use that moment. I hope that brought hope to someone's day. But I missed an opportunity, too. I didn't live in accordance with, because what do I believe is true? That God can use moments like that to transform someone's life. Now, I didn't go the rest of the day feeling like a failure, because we're going to miss opportunities all the time. But we always learn to grow and walk and live in accordance with what we believe is true. And there's this moment where you have to say, do I believe that God has a power to save and transform sinners? And if he does, why do I hold back? Why don't I bring that hope to people around us? The more we believe this, the more we should live on mission. The more we should see our world as a world, a place where people need to know Jesus. If we believe that's his heart, then we need to live in accordance with that. And it's not always easy, but it is good. So faithfulness is living in accordance with what we believe is true. Now, let's look a little deeper on this and understand it a little bit more. I want to invite you to 
look at a little parable written in the book of, the, uh, in book of Matthew, chapter 25. If we look here, this is an interesting uh, parable when Jesus is teaching. And in here, uh, Matthew 25, it's called the parable of the talents that we hear. And we'll pick it up in verse, uh, verse 14. Matthew 25. Jesus is teaching, he says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own workers and delivered goods, his goods to them. And to the one, he gave five talents. So think of it as a, a portion of money. To another, he gave two, and to another, he gave one. To each, to each according to his own ability, and immediately the man went on his journey. Verse 16. The one who had received the five talents immediately went and did business with them. He earned five more. In the same way, the one who had received two talents earned two more. And, but he who received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those, of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The one who received the five talents came and brought him five more, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've earned five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Also, the one who had two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've earned two more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. So enter the, enter the joy of your master. Now, the one who received one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed, and I was afraid. So I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you still have what's yours. And here's a response that has always bothered me a little bit, and I'm really understanding it a little bit more. So his master said to him, you worthless and lazy servant, did you not know that I reap where I sow or where I did not sow and I gather where I did not scatter seed? You should have put my money in the bank and on, and on my arrival, you'd at least received my money back with interest. So here's a, a story that Jesus tells and we often will tell it in the church about using uh, the, the time and talents and treasures that God gives you and investing them for the kingdom and watching it expand and, and we believe that to be true. But isn't it interesting that it didn't matter about the person who earned five and the person who earned two, they were described as faithful. So it wasn't how much they earned. It was what they did. And look at the last one. He said, if you would have just put my money in the bank and earned interest, I would have at least had another quarter or whatever you would get in interest these days. I would have at least had something and he would have been considered faithful. Why? Notice, and the key is in what the third one, the supposed lazy, or the lazy servant said. I knew that you were a hard business person. I knew that what you went after, not this one yet, not that verse. Uh, I knew that you were a hard business person, and, and you reaped where you didn't sow, and, and you're good with your money, and you're always trying to make more. I knew what was true of you, but I didn't live in accordance to what I believed was true of you. See, the other ones believed this, this, their boss, their master, wanted, was a business person that always wants to generate more. And so they knew that, oh, I'm going to live in accordance with what I believe is true. They want me to be doing something with this. And they were called faithful. 
And so here, it's not necessarily the money that was earned. The, the point is, are you living in accordance with what is true of your beliefs? That's what faithfulness is described as. And faithfulness is not always easy. Would you agree with that? No. Okay, I don't think faithfulness is always easy. <laughs> you know, faithfulness, one author said, is necessary when God's promises seem to completely contradict what we see. When God's ways are hidden from us, when evil strikes, when hardships come one right after another, that's when we need the Spirit to produce His fruit of faithfulness in us the most. You know, we're living in times, we talk about it often, but Faithfulness seems more and more difficult because it's hard when we see things happening around us. Do we believe that God is still working in control? There's times it's hard to believe that God is in control. But if we really truly believe that, can we live in accordance with that truth? When the, everything we see contradicts it. I'm going to show you uh, this verse in 3 John. Yes, there's a book in the Bible called 3 John, if you're new to Scripture. And it's three letters that John wrote. And the third one he wrote, and in this, he writes to a guy named Gaius. And look what he writes to him. John writing to Gaius, he says, It gave me great joy when some of the believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. In other words, I have such great joy to know that my disciples, John was saying, are walking. They're living in accordance to what they believe is true. And I've heard this is true of you, Gaius, and it brings me great joy. As he continues on, he says this, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told me about your love, or told the whole church about your love. See, here, faithfulness is so overwhelming to John when he hears the faithfulness of someone he trained. He said, because what you're doing is you're living in accordance with the truth. And it's beautiful. The whole church is talking about it. See, I believe faithfulness is one of those characteristics that when it's on display, that's one of those appealing traits. Someone who's consistent, who has integrity, who's living what they say they believe. So as we wrap up, what, here's the question. How do we grow in our faithfulness? If this is something the Spirit produces in us, how do we let the Spirit produce faithfulness in us? Doesn't that sound like something we have to do on our own? It feels like it's something that it's like, I just have to somehow work for this. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, according to the fruit of the Spirit, is going to produce this in us, but we participate. There's some things that I believe will be helpful for us to grow in faithfulness. So here's a couple. One, the first one is this, how to grow in our faithfulness. It's develop a habit of surrender. Develop a habit of surrender to the Spirit. There are times in our lives when we may sense the Spirit of God moving us to maybe act, to change, to believe. And in every one of those times, we have this opportunity to respond. Do we say yes or do we say no? There have been times when I've literally been driving and I'd see someone on the side of the road and I get that little voice that says, Ryan, pull over and help them. And I think, is it me being a nice guy or is it the Spirit of God urging my heart? And I believe it's the Spirit of God urging my heart. And there's times I go, yeah, not right now. Don't feel like it. I've got other things to do. I'm doing something. I say no to the Spirit. The more we say no to the Spirit, the harder and harder it gets to say yes. But when you develop a habit of saying yes, even in the small things, 
the times when you know I should probably go and ask for forgiveness with my kids or with my wife or with a friend. Every time you say yes to that, you're developing a habit of surrender. God, I'm going to trust you. And what's the hard thing about that? What's hard about when we trust the Spirit? The hardest thing, that we have to believe that he's still got us. That, that taking that step of faith, that God will do something with it. It's so hard. If I would have stopped yesterday and just said, hey, I, I just, can I take a second and just pray for you? To the person I met in the gas station? That would have been saying yes to the Spirit. And developing that habit. I, I know people who, they just say, they walk around, I'm like, do you have a direct line to God? They, they, it just seems like they always are in step with what God's doing. They've developed a habit of surrender. And it takes little things, little things. For you today, it might just be seen, saying, I, I want to rehearse this truth. I'm going to, every day, start off my days by saying, God, I can't live my life without you. Will you fill me today? A habit of surrender. We try that every single day. Uh, the next one is this. Regular, regularly remind yourself of the truth. So we need to rehearse the truth about God. That is a hard word to say, regularly. Uh, <laughs> Rehearse that truth day after day. You have, I, I really believe the regular reminders of truth, are. we develop that, again, developing a habit of daily filling ourselves with the truth of God. If you're spending more time getting your truth from Instagram than you are from sources that are unchanging truth, you're going to be a little bit, wave, you're going to waver a lot. Let's just be honest. Facebook is not a good place to fill your soul and your spirit, okay? Instagram, Snapchat, none of that is going to help you. And guess what? TikTok's not going to help you either, okay? None of those. So you need to develop that regular reminder of truth. Gathering together like this is one way. I believe that engaging in scripture reading as often as you're able, develop that habit. Even if you say, I'm going to read one verse a day, find, a tr find truth that you can fill your heart with. Uh, James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits, which is not a Christian book, but it has some great uh, advice in there. But one thing he says this, Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And he also says this, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. He uses the, he uses the analogy of this. Um, when you see a sporting event, everyone has the same goal, to win. <laughs> you look at athletes, they all have the same goal, to be the best. Why are some there and some are not? He says it's, it's developing this regular habit. I believe in a Christian faith, in step with the Spirit, we need to take those small steps to have a regular system being reminded of the truth. It's really difficult to grow in our confidence in who God is if we never rehearse the truth of who he is. And final thing for you, so develop a habit of surrender to the Spirit, saying yes. Regularly remind yourself of the truth. And the final thing is this, connect with like-minded people. You're doing it right now, so congratulate yourselves. Good job. <laughs> Connect with like-minded people. I don't mean reject anyone who doesn't believe what you believe, but it's really hard to live a life of faith if no one around you has a life of faith. It's really difficult. So connect with like-minded people. We love to do that here in small groups. There's a lot of variety of groups. It is so good to be with other people because there's days you need them to tell you, hey, uh, you're out to lunch today. You need those relationships where people can encourage you and point you in the right direction. And if you're in a group of people and it's not helping you grow in your faith and your confidence in who God is, if they're bringing you down, it's time to change groups. 
It's time to change groups. Surround yourself with like-minded people who are seeking to know the Lord. Find mentors in your life. Some of you are new in the faith. Reach out to someone who said, hey, I want to walk with you. I wanna, you're going to run into things. They say, I've been there. I've been through this. They want to encourage you. So, but you have to connect with like-minded people. Friends, uh, all of this, the fruits of the Spirit, are rooted in the very character of who God is. When we look at all the fruits, it's God is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That, this is who our God is, a God of order, a God of love, a God of peace. You have, in Christ, you have all of these character traits in you. That's who you are in Christ. That's the truth. So we want to encourage you to experience the good life. We want to surrender to the Spirit and allow God to change and transform us day and day, day after day. And watch this fruit be produced in you, the evidence of the Spirit. We're going to end our time here. We're going to sing a song, and then uh, today we're going to end uh, a little bit differently. Those of you who've been around Seacoast for a while, we have um, longtime staff members who are uh, moving on to a new ministry, and we're going to allow Matt and Paige to come up after uh, this one more song. We're going to send them off and, and pray for them. And um, so, But we want to respond here. We're going to take a moment and respond, so we want to invite the worship team up. They're already behind me. And let's take this moment to dwell on and think of the faithfulness of God and how he's been faithful to you, how he wants to produce in you this life that is confident, that lives in accordance with the truth, live in accordance with who God is and what we believe he can accomplish. So pray with me. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for this whole summer of examining these truths, and I thank you, Lord, for the characteristic, tra- uh, the character traits that you're forming and shaping in us. And, Lord, there are days when we don't represent any of those. And there's days, Lord, when it seems like you're just at work and we're tra- changing and transforming. God, we want to thank you for that. And we want to thank you for every step of the way. This is about you working in us. It's not us trying to better ourselves alone. This is the life that you've already created us to have, And through your spirit, we trust that you will move. So God, would you receive our hearts, receive our prayers, and as we reflect even on these words now, God, change us, transform us, help us surrender, grow in our belief that who you are is true. We give you this time.